This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. If you need a Bible today, we're going to be looking through the Word of God. Just go ahead and lift up your hand, and our team of ushers would love to get the Word of God in your hand, so just keep it up until they come down and bring a Bible to you. You're turning to Isaiah chapter 40, and uh, you know, in our culture, in our country, something that people really don't like to do at all, for any reason whatsoever, is to wait. And I don't know about you, but I put myself in this category. Waiting is not fun. Waiting is not enjoyable. It's not a pleasant experience. And you know, you and I both do things that we can do to avoid waiting at all costs. For instance, I'll prove it to you. When you are shopping at the grocery store or at Walmart, God bless you, and you're carrying your shopping cart, you're already scanning. You're back at the back of the store and you're scanning which one of these aisles is gonna get me through this place the fastest. And you're looking, okay, no, that lady, that's 85 items and she's in the 20 item line. We're not doing that one. So you move over to this one. The worst is when you scoot over. This happened to me the other day at Costco getting gas. You scoot over because you're like, there's only two cars in this line. And then this line goes really, really fast, and you're like, I would have been done by now. That's fantastic. But we hate waiting. Uh, You go to Six Flags or Disney World or wherever you like to have fun with your kids. They sell some form of the flash pass because, God forbid, we have to wait in line to ride the roller coaster, so we pay extra money to get the flash pass so we can go straight to the front of the line, and that is so much better. You know, we do things like if you have Hulu or Netflix or whatever other streaming service you like, We're willing to pay extra money every single month so that we don't have to watch ads because we don't want to wait another 30 seconds to see what happens at the season finale of whatever show we're watching. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait at the doctor's office. We don't like to wait in traffic. We don't like to wait. But the problem is that that's a cultural norm that we do everything in like a microwave fashion. We want it now, now, now. And we want fast food now, now, now. You, you know if you go to McDonald's or wherever, you can look in the window when you're at the drive-thru and they've got a little clock in there and they're like, they have to stay on this clock because they know that people don't wanna wait and so they, they're getting your food out to you as soon as they can. That's just us as a culture. But as Christians and as followers of Christ, waiting is exactly what we are called to do. And you're like, I should have stayed home today. But now you know. And so look at Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to be in verse 31. And this is going to be our key scripture for the whole night together. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, but they who wait for the Lord. Everybody say wait. It doesn't say, now these things aren't bad. But it doesn't say those who pray to the Lord shall renew their strength. It doesn't say those who read the Bible shall renew their strength. And again, I believe that we all need to do those things, but it says they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. How long do I have to wait? Probably longer than you're thinking you're gonna have to. It says they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you would, go ahead and bow your heads and I'm gonna pray for us tonight. Lord God, I thank you so much that you're a God who strengthens his people. That in every season of our lives, that when we wait on you, you give us your strength. You help us to mount up on wings like eagles. You help us to run and not grow weary. You help us to walk and not to faint. So God, help us tonight as we hear your word. 
to wait on you. And we thank you for your strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so waiting here, you know, I described all these situations as a culture. We don't like to wait. But waiting here is not the same as waiting in line at the grocery store. It's not the same as waiting in line to be able to ride your favorite ride at Six Flags. Waiting is not just sitting there and and twiddling your thumbs and just hoping something happens sometime. This is an action. This waiting here is something that we actively do. And it looks different in different seasons of our lives. And I'm gonna show you at the end exactly what this word to wait means. But just know that it's not just what we think about in culture. It's not just laying still. It's not being stagnant at all. We have a job to do in the waiting. And we're gonna look at what that looks like in each season. So, three different seasons. The first season that we're gonna talk about is that we're gonna wait when life is good. And this is what I believe it's talking about in Isaiah 40, 31, the verse we read together. The first thing he says, he says, you'll wait on the Lord, he will renew your strength, and then it says you will mount up on wings like eagles. And that just sounds majestic, like I wanna do that. I don't know exactly what the, you know, he's, he's thinking when I, when it look, what it looks like, but it's easy to soar like an eagle, right? You know, they fly, they flap, they get up to whatever altitude they need to be at, and then they just spread out their wings and they glide on the wind. It's the wind is carrying them. They're not having to fight and push and and struggle. It's almost like they're able to coast, you know? And you look and it looks outstanding to see a, a large bird or an eagle just soaring on the wind above all the trees. This is the season when life is good. And all of us go through seasons where life is good. You know, somebody asks you, hey, how's it going? And usually we always say good, but there's those times where really it's good. Like my finances are in order, my kids are healthy, uh, my, my parents are, are friends with me and we do things together and life is just good. I enjoy life. And these seasons are a blessing from God. Just so you know, just like all of us go through seasons that are good, we also go through different kinds of seasons that aren't necessarily good or that are, that are hard or difficult. But this season is good. Now, to talk about the three seasons of life that we have to wait in, we're gonna look at the life of Abraham. So turn back to the book of Genesis, and we're gonna start in Genesis 25. So the first thing Isaiah mentioned, he says, when you wait on the Lord, you will mount up on wings like eagles. So we're talking about when life is good. And I don't know if you're in that season right now. Some of you probably are. Some of you probably aren't. And you're not in a season where you would look at somebody in the eye and be able to say, yes, life is good. But there's hope for all of us today. So look at Abraham, and in in chapter 25, we're gonna be in verse seven. It says, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. Abraham breathed his last, and he died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And so obviously this is the very end of Abraham's life. And you know, if his life was a struggle for all 175 years, it wouldn't have worded it like that. He died at a ripe old age, old and full of years. There had to be good seasons in Abraham's life where it almost felt like God was carrying him, where where God was allowing him to experience this blessing in ways like he hadn't experienced before. Abraham had good years in his life. The problem with good years in your life is that we have the tendency, myself included, 
to kind of put God on the back burner in the good times. Have you ever experienced that? Where you're like, man, life is really good. I, I don't know that I need to pray every day. I don't know that I need to go to church every week. But then when life gets tough and we feel like giving up, that's when we're like, I gotta get to church. I need to be here in church. I need to be praying. But no, we wait on God in every season. We wait on the Lord in every season. We need strength in every season, and that includes the good seasons. You know, I had a season like this in my life, and I was thinking back, and this was about 10 years ago. And in the span of eight months, I got married. That was great. I graduated college, also great, mostly because I was done with school. That was. <laughs> then I bought a house, my first house with my wife. And then I started my very first real career as a teacher. I only thought I was done with school. I went right back in. Uh, and that, that eight months, I, I look back and I'm like, those are like four major life changes and they were all good. It was like one thing after another. Life was just good. And I was so grateful to God. I mean, these are things that I had waited for for a long, long, long time. And they all happened back to back to back to back. That was a season in my life that was really, really good. But see, we still have to choose. In those good seasons, are you gonna put God on the back burner? Are you gonna forget about God? Are you gonna just coast even in your spiritual life? Or are you gonna keep waiting on the Lord? Because it doesn't matter what season we're in, we need God's strength. And so the first season that we wait in, we mount up on wings like eagles, that's when life is good. And the second season, is that we have to wait when life is busy. The second part of that verse, he says, you'll mount up on wings like eagles. He says, you will run and not grow weary. You know, running is work. You may be a runner, you may not be, but whoever you are, running is hard work. And when it says you will run and not grow weary, I'm thinking, how? Because I run and it doesn't take very long at all for me to get very weary while I'm running. But that's the promise of God, that's the strength that he offers. That when life is busy and everything is like we're running this way and that way and this way, we're, we're doing the kids' activities and we're working two jobs and, and whatever it is, that we're just busy and we've got a lot going on. Everywhere we go, we're running. And God says, I'm there to strengthen you. When you run, you will not grow weary. And we're gonna keep looking through Abraham's life, so turn now to the book of Genesis and go back to chapter 12. So we just read the very end of Abraham's life, and now we're gonna pick up the very first time in scripture that we meet Abraham. And this is in Genesis chapter 12, and we're gonna be in verse one. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, if you don't know, Abraham is what God changed his name to later, but he started off as Abram. And so it says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, on, and those who dishonor you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then it says, so Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 old, five years old when he departed from Haran. And so in this season, all of us in this room have probably moved before. I haven't moved in a while, and there's a good reason for that, because moving is awful. There is so much work that goes into moving. 
I mean, and you think Abraham, I mean, he was a very blessed man even before the Lord shows up here in chapter 12. He had many possessions, and when you were like rich back then, it didn't mean, you know, I can look on my bank account online and see that nice large number. It was, you had like a thousand goats and a thousand donkeys and a thousand cows and all your possessions, that's what made you wealthy. And so God tells him, hey, buddy, I know you're having a great time, life's good, you're here with your father's household, you're living in Haran, but I want you to go. And I want you to take everything you have, you're not coming back. And I'm not gonna tell you where you're going, I just want you to literally start walking, you and your family, and all the, the servants that you own and everything you have. And the Bible says, so Abraham obeyed God. He had no idea where he was going. He had no idea how long the trip would be. He had no idea if all of his family would even make it. He did not know, but he obeyed God. That's how you wait on God in this season. That yeah, it's busy. And yeah, you've got stuff to do every day. And yeah, it might be a grind. But every day, you wait on God. Wait on God for what that next step should be. Wait on God for that strength on the inside. And these seasons have a tendency to make us tired. Then you're like, I don't know how long I can do this for. But that's where the strength of God comes in. That when you run, you will not grow weary. Now my dad went through a season like this not very long ago. And a couple of years ago, the Lord started preparing him for this busy season that he would be in. And the first thing that the Lord taught him was he, said, he, he told my dad that he wanted him to spend time praying every single morning. And he gave my dad specific things that, that the Lord wanted him to pray for. And so my dad did. He didn't necessarily know why other than that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective, but he begins praying every single morning. He would get up really early and he would spend time in the presence of God. And then a, a, a while later, the Lord started speaking to my dad about one of the 10 commandments that is broken the most often in our country, and that's to have a day of Sabbath rest. And my dad's always been a very hard worker. That's the way that he was raised. He's always worked multiple jobs. I, I've never known him to have only one job. And so he's a hard worker, and the Lord told him, stop working on Sundays. Don't work on Sundays anymore. He told him, you know, read. My dad goes kayaking every Sunday but don't work on Sunday. This is at one of my 10 commandments, and I want you to honor it. And so my dad says, okay. And he begins to honor the Sabbath day. Again, he'd never done it before, and I think at the beginning he kind of worried, like, am I gonna be able to make enough money? I've been doing some work on Sundays. But God honored it. By the way, just a side note, the Sabbath day doesn't have to be Sunday. For me, I work every Sunday, um, and so I have a different Sabbath day, but it's, it's the principle that you take one day a, a week and you don't work at all. You rest, you spend time in the presence of God. And so God taught my dad those two things, that he would pray every morning and that he would honor the Sabbath day. And then this season comes up, and my dad gets this opportunity to make a lot of extra money. But in order to do that, he's gonna have to work like four to five hours extra on top of the jobs he already has every day for a span of a few months. And he's telling me about this and I'm like, four to five hours extra every day. I mean, it's just like, I can't even fathom it. But because my dad had obeyed the Lord and, and spent time with God every day, that was the way that he waited on God. Because my dad obeyed the Lord, and even in this busy season, when it would have been easy to take some work off his plate and shift it towards Sunday, he obeyed God and he honored the Sabbath day. God carried him through that busy season. 
And on the other side, the blessings were so much greater than he could have even asked for. But it's because he did it God's way. It's because in the busyness, he waited on God. And you know, it's, it's, there's this thing that I, I think we get in this country, and it's called self-inflicted busyness. And that's where you, you look around at other people and you think, man, I would love to have what they have. I must be, I need to do what they do to get it. I need to pick up an extra shift. I need to pick up an extra job because I, I, wanna, I wanna be like that someday when God didn't call you to do that at all. And I, and I wanna do, I wanna you know, raise my kids like they raise their kids. And I wanna take my family out to eat every day like they take their family out to eat every day and whatever it is. And we get busier and busier because we're insecure in who God made us to be. And I heard this statement the other day and it really resonated with me and it was, that the only person God will help you be is you. If you're trying to be anybody else, you don't have God's help to do that because he created you unique and he created you as an individual and he created you to be who he created you to be and he will give you the strength to be that, but nothing else. And so my challenge to you, if there's any busyness in your life that you know is self-inflicted, that you're doing that thing or, or going that place so that you can be like somebody else, there's no strength in that. But when you're walking God's plan for your life and it gets busy and it's a grind, you will run and not grow weary, amen? So we wanna wait when life is good, we wanna wait when life is busy, and the last season that we wait in is that we wait when life is hard. And this is the time when we start to wonder, God, are you gonna come through for me? Like I'm standing on your promises, God, but I don't see the end. And this is hard. It's hard to, to get up every day and keep moving. And Isaiah gets to this point and he says, of course you mount up on wings like eagles and you'll run and not grow weary. And then he says, you will walk and not faint. And a person who's walking, that's on the verge of fainting, every step is difficult. And it seems like you're moving so slowly. And maybe you can see the promise, maybe you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but all you can do is put one foot in front of the other. And it's, and it's hard. And this comes a lot of times, even emotionally, that I don't know how I'm gonna take another step, I don't know how I'm gonna get up another day. But for those who wait on the Lord, they will walk and not faint. In this season of your life, we're gonna look at how it looked, it looked for Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. It's easy to question God in this season. It's easy to question his character. It's easy to question his nature. And that's why it's so important that you wait on him because I promise he has a plan. I can look back on probably three seasons in my life where my life was hard because I was waiting on something and I didn't see it yet. But now I'm on the other side and I look back and I see the faithfulness of God and I see that he carried me through and I see that he gave me strength because I waited on him. In Genesis chapter 15, verse one, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And if God comes and tells me that, I'm gonna be pretty excited. But look at Abraham's response in verse two. 
Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham's basically saying to God, thanks but no thanks, because I don't necessarily need your blessings, God. I want a child. That's my heart's desire. And blessings, it's, it's nothing, because if I get these blessings but don't have children, then they're just gonna go to somebody else someday. And here's how God responds. Abraham, in verse three, it says, behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And then it says, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Abraham didn't have kids at this time. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So God says, I'm gonna bless you, Abraham. And Abraham basically says, no thanks, God. I really just want children. And God promises him, your own son will be your heir. You will have a child. And your offspring is gonna be as numerous as the stars in the sky. But he still had to wait. Because the moment that Abram received the promise wasn't the same moment that he saw the promise fulfilled. And that's how it works. Because there's a process in each and every one of us. And God's interested in how we get through the journey, not just the destination. And I told you that I'd gone through hard seasons in my life and every single one of those. When I look back, I see what God developed me in those seasons. When my wife had a miscarriage for our first child, I remember the pain I felt. I remember the heartache, but I look back now and I see what God did in me, in my wife, and in the people that she's able to minister to because she understands when a woman goes through that. I see the faithfulness of God. When my son had a seizure and I thought he was dying, I felt abandoned in that moment. The longest 60 seconds of my life. I look back on that season and I see the faithfulness of God and I see that he was carrying me through and I see that he was carrying my son through. I, I see the faithfulness of God and I see what he's developed in me since then and because of that. So God has a plan for each and every one of our lives and when life is hard, you will walk and not faint. But here's a little tip from Abraham's life. We see the promise of God, we get excited about it, and even though life's gonna be hard, God said, you will have a son and he will be your heir. Look at the very next chapter, in chapter 16, verse one. Now Sarai, and God later changed her name to Sarah, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. You know what that means? Her and Abraham looked in the natural and they're like, hey, you promised us kids, look around God, they're still not here. So you must need some help. It says, she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. So go into my servant, sleep with my servant. And it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Abraham let other voices talk him into doing things his way, to trying to help God to make this come about. 
when God promised him, you will have a son. And Abram said, uh, thanks for the promise, God. Seems like you're not gonna actually do it, so I'm gonna go ahead and do it my own way. And that's the temptation in a hard season, that you short-circuit the promise and the blessing of God because you try to do it your own way. You try to get out of that season prematurely when there's something that God wants to develop in you. Abraham left his father's household and moved to the land of Canaan when he was 75 years old. At this point in his life, he's 85 years old. He still had to wait 15 more years after he tried to short-circuit God before the promise was fulfilled. He was 100 years old when Isaac was born. But God brought that promise in his time. It's not our timing. The Bible says that God is not slow in keeping his promise as some consider slowness. You know what that means? Some of you are gonna think God is slow in fulfilling his promise, and a lot of times it feels that way. But his timing is perfect every time. And when we wait on God in the hard seasons, we will not faint. I believe that this, what Abraham and Sarah did, was a form of fainting, that they gave up on the promise of God and did it their own way, but they cost a lot of pain. Pain for Hagar, pain for the child she bore, Ishmael. And Ishmael, if you don't know, is the father of Islam and those nations that are still at war with Israel, the descendants of Isaac. All these years later, because they short-circuited the promise of God, but God's grace. Because like I said, 15 years later, Sarah bore Abraham a son, just like God promised. When she was 90 years old and he was 100 years old, just like God promised. I was around a, a gentleman last week and he told this story that just made me wanna brag on God tonight. And he said that before he got married, he really had two goals in life. He wanted to be a husband and he wanted to be a father. And so he gets married to, to the, the love of his life and they quickly decide that they're, they're ready to have kids. It's about a year after they get married. And so they try to have kids, they try to have kids, they try to have kids and a year goes by and nothing and two years goes by and nothing and three years goes by and four years and five years. And after five years of waiting for children, they decide they're gonna try in vitro fertilization. And so they go into the doctor and they go to the consultant and they're, they're talking with the doctor and he tells them what they gotta do. They get the treatment plan. They begin the treatment and they go to the, the day where she's gonna have the surgery and the embryos are gonna be surgically implanted and the doctor says to her, I can't explain this, but it doesn't look like these embryos are doing well it doesn't look like they're going to survive. But they go through with the surgery anyway, and not long after that, they find out that the embryos didn't survive. It didn't work. And in their follow-up appointment, the doctor said to her, you will never be able to get pregnant. Your, your body does not function properly. It, it won't happen. If you ever get pregnant, it'll be a miracle. And so they decide that, that they're gonna adopt. And they're, they're, we want children, and this is not our first plan, but we're gonna adopt. And so they go to the adoption agency, they get registered, signed up, everything, and they get a prospect. And they, they're told that they're gonna be able to adopt a baby, and so they're so excited, they get ready, and they get to close in the process to, to the end of this, and everything falls through. They don't get to adopt. 
And so they try to adopt again. They get to the end of the process. Everything falls through again. And now they're seven or eight years into them trying to have children and nothing is working. They can't get pregnant, they can't do in vitro, they can't adopt, and they're wondering why God's left them. But God never leaves us. God never forsakes us. And so a couple, sometime later, they get a call that there's a boy about to be born. He's gonna be born in 48 hours, and they say, get to the hospital, this one is your baby. And so they, they drive to the hospital, and 48 hours later, this little boy is born, and everything plays out perfectly, and they adopt their first son. I mean, can you imagine the, the joy, the relief, after all of that waiting, and they see the promise of God fulfilled? Two and a half years later, they go through the process again, and they adopt their second son. And they're just feeling full that God has blessed them. The day they bring the second son home, this man's wife is sitting on the couch holding this new baby, and she starts not feeling well. And the next day, she's not feeling well. The next day, she's not feeling well. And she doesn't have a fever, but they're wondering what's going on with her body. And the, the man says, there was just something in my heart, and I, and I just thought, I just hoped. And so he said, on the way home from work on the fourth day that she was sick, I picked up a pregnancy test at CVS. And he said, I, I sat there staring at the test this, all this time because pregnancy tests, as you can imagine, had been a source of great pain for them throughout the last seven or eight years. And he said, I didn't want to put that, her through that again. But he said, there's just something inside me. So I brought it to her and I told her, I, I don't want to make you hurt again, but I just feel like we should do this. And he hands her the pregnancy test and she agrees to try it. And so he goes about his business and the kids were sleeping. And all of a sudden he hears it stomping up, up the stairs. And he goes running, trying to figure out what, what the noise was. And he sees his wife, and she is hysterical. She is crying, and she can't even get words out. And she's shaking the pregnancy test at him. And he begins to say, I'm so sorry. I, I, I knew I shouldn't have done it. I just, there was just something, and I didn't mean to hurt you. And she's like stammering over her words and saying, just look, just look. And he looks at the pregnancy test, and it says pregnant. And nine months later, they gave birth to their daughter, and what God, what the doctor said is impossible, God said, I just need you to wait. Because if, if that little girl, if they had become pregnant with that little girl a week before, they may not have adopted that second son. But he's for, he, he was destined by God, that boy was, to be part of that family. God knew and God had a plan and God just told them to wait. And he miraculously healed her body where doctors said there's literally no way. God said, watch what I can do. But they had to go through a, a, a hard, long season. And this, this happened, uh, their, their oldest son is 16 years old now. And as this guy was telling the story, he was still in, just bawling in tears, hardly even able to get his words out. Because all this time later, he still looks back on that time in his life and just sees the faithfulness of God. And just sees what God wanted to develop in him and in his wife. And just sees that God had a plan for those two boys that their biological parents may have had to, to give them away, but that wasn't, that, that wasn't God's original plan. God's original plan was for those boys to be part of that man's family. And so they waited. Look at this. Turn in the book of, of John, chapter five. And this got me so excited today. Because I can tell you to wait. Uh, John, chapter 15. I can tell you to wait, but what do you do when you're waiting? 
I told you it's not just sitting there. I told you it's not just twiddling your thumbs, but there's a process in the waiting. And look what it is. That word in Isaiah 40, 31, the word wait, it says, they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The original, the book of Isaiah was originally, originally written in Hebrew. And so I looked up the word wait in the Hebrew language, and here's what that word means. It's the word kavah, and it literally means to bind together by twisting. When you wait on the Lord, you're entwining your life with his. You are binding yourself to the strength of the God who created you and who knows you and who loves you and who has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not just sitting there. You're binding yourself to Christ. That word also means to wait, to look for, to hope, and to expect. So when life's a grind, when life is hard, we're hopefully expecting that God's gonna move. Not that we're hoping like, I hope he does something, but that we know there's an assurance within us that God has a plan and that he is bringing his plan to fruition in his timing. And so in the waiting, in the good, in the busy, in the hard, we're binding ourselves to Christ. We're entwining ourselves with him. And that made me think, the Lord reminded me when I heard that of John chapter 15. And you may know this passage, it's a pretty famous passage. We're gonna start in verse five. And Jesus says, red letter words, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And I get this picture in my mind of these branches twisted around the vine, reliant on the vine, bound to the vine, just like the word wait means in Hebrew. And it says, every branch, uh, sorry, verse six, whoever, he that is in me bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing, Jesus says. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If, everybody say if. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why? Because when you wait on God, when you abide in him, when your life is bound to his, your desires start to look like his desires. And so he says, when your desires are the same as my desires, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And it said the word several times, abide, but that's not a word that you and I use very often in language today. And so the New Testament was written in the Greek language originally, so I go to the Greek and I look at the word abide and here's what it is. That's the word meno, M-E-N-O. And here's what it means. The word abide means to remain or to abide, or to continue to be present. It means to be held, to be kept continually. It means to last, to endure, to remain as one, not to become another, or not to become different. You ready for this? And the last thing it means is to wait. To abide in Jesus is the same thing as to wait on him. To abide in his love is to be entwined with him as a vine is entwined with the branches. 
that you're hopefully expecting that he's gonna move, that when life is good, you spend your energy on your relationship with Jesus, that when life is busy, you spend your energy on your relationship with Jesus, and when life is hard, you spend your energy on your relationship with Jesus. That's how you wait. So waiting means literally to bind yourself to Christ. And then it says that his love abides in you. And then your joy may be complete. And I fully believe that even in the busy seasons, even in the hard seasons, even when we really hope the good season's coming soon, that we can still live our lives with joy. Would you guys stand up on your feet with us? Lord God, help us to wait. Help us to wait on you. Help us to bind ourselves to you in every season of our lives. Help us to pursue you. Help us to hopefully, expectantly wait for you, to wait for your promise. And God, right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in a good season, would you just lift up your hands? God, I pray for those that are in a good season right now. Help them not to forget you, God. Help them not to put you on the back burner. Help them to continue to wait on you. Help them to wait on you and to pursue you, to build their relationship with you. If you're in a busy season right now, go ahead and lift up your hands. And God, I pray that they would run and not grow weary. Lord, that everything that they do, that you would give them the strength that they need to go another day, to take another step. God, that it would be supernatural, their capacity and all that they're able to bear and all that they're able to handle because it's you who strengthens them. And if you're in a hard season, and you're in a season of wondering, and you're in a season of waiting, go ahead and lift up your hands. God, I pray your special touch on these ones who are in a hard season because I've been there. And God, I pray that they would know that they will never be left by you, that they will never be forsaken by you. God, I pray for your strength that they would not try to do things their own way, but that they would wait on you, wait on your promise, wait on the fulfillment of your word. God, help them to wait when it's so hard they don't know if they can bear it. I thank you for your promise that as they wait on you, they will walk and not faint. Lord, I pray for those who are just on the edge of, of victory, of breakthrough. God, strengthen them, help them to get through it. And Lord, I thank you that when they look back on this season many years from now, they'll not only see your faithfulness, but they'll see what you developed inside of them in this season, that their character was strengthened and that their relationship with you was strengthened. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.